just when we thought things couldn't get any worse, the news broke that Queen Elizabeth II had died at Balmoral. Everyone knew she wasn't immortal, but we hoped she would go on. Anyway, it came as a shock because what we were needing at that time was some good news because she's always been around at times of crisis to give a word, but instead we have more profound sadness. And as most of us have never been ruled by another monarch, it's as though we've lost a pillar in our lives, a respected sovereign who's provided constancy, stability, and reassurance in troubled times, a servant queen who was the head of state for 15 countries. And during her 70-year reign, she worked with 15 prime ministers from Winston Churchill to Liz Truss. Her Majesty was still working at the amazing age of 96, still reading all those papers. And it's clear that she was deeply respected for her commitment, her decency, her integrity, her humility, and also her Christian witness. As these islands, the Commonwealth, and the world mourns the Queen's death, it's as though we've lost a guiding light in troubled times. And somehow, things seem even more uncertain. Yes, we have a new king, a new prime minister and cabinet, but it takes a while to adjust and for trust to be built. And we know that they too will be feeling a sense of loss. Imagine what their diaries have been like over the last few days. And they've got to face the challenges of these worrying days. And I wonder to myself, what would the Queen say to us here today? Well, I don't know, but her parting message from the grave might be something like this. You see, we know she was driven by her sense of call. She was sustained by her Christian faith. And she once said, the teachings of Christ have served as my inner light as has the sense of purpose we can find in coming to worship together. You see, the Queen's light was not self-generated. The light that shone through her was the light of Christ in these dark days. And I believe Elizabeth II would urge us, as individuals and as a nation, to have faith and to come together and to seek the Lord's face. Meeting together as a church is important. Here we can draw together across cultures, different backgrounds. We can support one another. We can pray for one another. And we share one common faith, trust, belief that Jesus is a firm foundation, our rock. I found it very significant that there was a double rainbow that appeared over Buckingham Palace shortly after we heard that the Queen had died. And I wasn't the only one, uh, because I was reading uh, uh, social media, 
And Pete Grieg, who's the co-founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, felt the same. But he said it far better than I could. So I'm going to read his words. There we were, shaking our heads in shock, trying to process the end of an era and the loss of one of the world's greatest Christian leaders, when this sign appeared in the sky, reminding us, as it has since the days of Noah, of God's eternal, unshakable, covenant-keeping faithfulness. A rainbow also simply speaks of the refraction of light at the place where the sunshine meets the rain. And perhaps this too can be a sign for us at a time when such very dark clouds are filling the skies. Few can recall a season of such travail. And then he goes on later. When dark clouds shroud the earth, it is the rainbow that reminds us that beauty can still prevail. Somehow, hope surprises grief. Our epistle lesson was taken from one of two letters in the Bible that St. Paul wrote to Timothy. And he was giving Timothy pastoral instructions concerning the care of churches. And it was about 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And Paul wanted to guard against false teaching at that time and to ensure that God's mission would continue. And he believed that there was only one God, that God was over everything, and he wanted people to be saved. So here in our lesson today is a call to prayer from St. Paul. Remember, he was talking to Timothy and to the churches. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. Paul was urging people to pray for all people. That's why we've been praying for children and young people and their teachers today, because we believe it makes a difference. But Paul was also specifically including kings and rulers. And he said, this pleases the Lord. Prayer is necessary because of the high pedestal that kings and queens and those in authority are often placed upon. In Paul's time, they actually considered them gods. Yet they were only human. And they needed prayer and support. It's very easy for us to take a pop at our leaders. It's very easy for us to criticize them. But we're not standing in their shoes. Our job is to pray for them. Yes, we can raise questions, but we must pray for them. Someone once said, there is no sphere of human activity, no form of government or secular authority that is beyond his rule, that is God's, and therefore beyond the need of prayer. King Charles III and Prime Minister Liz Truss depend on the prayers of the people, regardless of whether we are royalists or Tories or not. We must pray for those who lead us. It's biblical to do so. And I think prayer focuses the hearts and eyes 
on God. It makes us think of our responsibility for that or whom is beyond us. It takes away from focusing on all our problems and the places, it places God in the center of our worship. The corporate act of prayer in church sets the Christian community apart from social clubs, rotary clubs, other meetings, political parties. It sets us apart. We are a praying community. And that's why I'm pleased that we're calling the church to prayer in the coming months on the third Sunday after the 11 o'clock church. After we've been together, we're going to have a dedicated time to pray for our nation and pray for those who lead us and pray for our church as well, this building and all who are here. Putting God up high helps us to put things in perspective. It opens us us, up to listen to a voice beyond our own and to listen for the whisper of the Holy Spirit in our age. God chooses to hear the prayers of his people. He wants us to pray to him and he hears us. So now more than ever, In these uncertain times with economic crisis, natural disasters, wars, and of course, the death of our beloved queen and the death of others that we miss so much, I want to encourage you to re-adopt the practice of falling on your knees and saying your prayers. The queen made a vow, a promise of lifelong service, And King Charles III has done the same. Despite their position and wealth, they appreciated their need of God and the strength that prayer can give. They have faith upon which their lives are built. And we give thanks that our Queen is now with her Lord and we pray for the King and for the Royal Family. My darling Francis, my wife, shared a wonderful thought with me yesterday and it made it into the sermon because it's better than anything else I came up with. Union jacks were lowered when our queen died. Yesterday they were raised for the formal proclamation of King Charles III. Then they will be lowered again as we continue to mourn. But did you know, so Francis reminded us, that the royal standard is never lowered at half-mast. It's because there's always a sovereign on the throne. In our uncertainty, let us remember today that our divine sovereign, the King of Kings, remains on the throne no matter what happens in the world. Whatever grief, anxiety, or emptiness in our hearts, whatever fears we face, The Lord's almighty rule will never come to an end. And there's more to life than we could possibly imagine. And he has promised to be with us always, to abide with us, to be our light and our salvation, because Jesus is our ultimate hope. The question I want to put to you today is in our busy lives, will we take time to really turn to him, sometimes together, sometimes on our own. 
Will we unite and support each other across all the natural divisions that are in our world? Will we just come together and seek to peacefully serve our neighbors in love, whoever they are? And will we be a people of prayer? I want to urge you to abide in Christ and let this sentence appear in your prayers. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with us. Amen. Let us sing the hymn from which...